Dear God, we uh, come before you and we just uh, want to lift up every church, every pastor that is uh, bringing your word forth this morning. Father, I just pray that your hand covers his mouth and Father, you fill him with the the word that you have uh, him to deliver today. And Father, that you would um, just remind them that the the enemy is a liar and and that you are not the author of confusion, but, but peace. And Father, I just pray that you just pour out peace on every congregation this morning in in the services. And Father, may you be uh, the apple, the singleness, uh, what our eyes is fixed on. What lets you, uh, may your word and and you be what we are grasping for, the only desire, the only fiber that uh, we long for. And Father, I just pray that you continue to minister on this campus, uh, to encourage, to comfort. And Father, may you be the single thing that this service is about today. And Father, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, we're going to continue in Matthew uh, chapter 5 this morning. And uh, this is uh, kind of a a new thing to me. I've had a Bible for uh, seven years, and today, um, Miss Beverly, I'm trading out preaching Bibles. So it's a, it's a new thing. It's exciting for me this morning. So anyway, maybe something small to some, but uh, it was hard for to let down a Bible you've used for so many years and pick up a new one. But anyway, here we go. We're going to be in Matthew um, chapter 5, and we're going to talk about peace. And peace is, uh, I'm sure when Jesus was talking about peace then, I'm sure that the Jews were, were squirming in their little sandals, man. Because, see, the Jews hated uh, the Romans. Not only just the Romans, they hated the Gentiles. See, they wanted their coming Messiah to rise up in power and to bring vengeance on the nations around the Jews. So anyone who had done the Jews wrong, they wanted, man, vengeance to be poured out. They wanted to be be justice uh, seen done. So this was not a popular teaching then, nor is it uh, today. So... uh, in our culture, as I, as I study this, uh, I've learned that the word peace, uh, we don't understand what peace is in this time. Do, I, I learned that in the last 3,600 uh, years, or you should say, the world has only known 300 years of peace. Of peace. So during the period there have been 14,351 wars, large and small. So there has been 3.64 billion people who have been killed. The value of property that has been destroyed in those years is equivalent to 97.2 miles wide and 33 feet thick of gold that could cover the whole, the whole world. That, that's enormous. Let me give you that again. It's a belt, a golden belt around the world. 97.2 miles wide and 33 feet thick. Man, we don't know much about peace. We like to destroy things. I, I also read that every peace treaty in, in history at some point has been broken. So peace is just a, uh, in other words, we see peace as truce. In other words, hey, just put your guns down and rest a while while we reload, right? While we get our, our, our breath. But man, this is not the peace that Jesus was speaking of. 
peace, peace, true peace, has not been experienced in this world since Adam and Eve before the fall, before sin entered the garden. So when God placed them in the garden, they have true peace, true communion, true fellowship with God. They walked with Him. There was nothing that stood between them and God. They also had peace with, with each other. So in other words, what we're going to focus today, we're going to see that they had a vertical peace and a horizontal peace. It, almost, it re- resembles the, the cross, a vertical and a horizontal. So this has not happened since before the fall. There was no quarrels. They had, had no contempt between each other. They had perfect peace. Listen, we will not experience this kind of perfect peace until we are in the presence of the King in eternity. In fact, you can chart the course uh, through history based on the theme of peace, and there hasn't been. And we won't see it again until eternity. Listen, Jesus wore the crown when he was going into Jerusalem, the city of peace. The prince of peace was going to a city of peace, and they didn't receive him. And he still is the prince of peace. And one day he is coming back, and he's still going to have the title of the prince of peace. And then he will establish his kingdom of peace. Eternal peace for all the ages. God is concerned about peace. In the Bible, if you, if you do a study, it, peace is, is referenced over 400 times in the Bible. Peace is a word that's used so often today and has so little meaning. In fact, I would go to say it has lost its meaning. And since we're going to say that it's lost its meaning, let's look at what peace is. All right, so point number one, what is peace? Peace in the Bible is so much more than the absence of war. Think about a cemetery. There's no strife there, but I would hardly say that a cemetery is an example of peace. No, peace, as God sees it, is far more than the absence of something. That's why he says, look, that's why he says that blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. No, 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 listen to listen here. It's not the, the absence of anything, it's the presence. It's the presence of, of, of righteousness. That's why these, these beatitudes are stacked on each other, one after the other. Listen, you can't be a peacemaker until you are pure in heart. You don't understand. It's, it's the presence of righteousness that causes a right relationship. Peace is just not uh, stopping something. It's it's just not stopping war. It's just not separating people. Peace is creating the righteousness that brings two parties together. Let's look at it more. Let's go back all the way to the text. Let's look in verse verse 3. So I want you to get this because these stack on top of each other. Let's look in verse 3. It says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for these are the kingdom, uh, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they shall attain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And that's why he leaves this down here. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. 
Listen, those things stack. They stack. You can't understand peacemakers until you understand the first, the first beatitudes. The word peace and truth, we, we try to tie together, but they're the exact opposite. Truth is just taking a breath, regrouping, getting another plan on how we're going to go about fighting again. Peace is the opposite. It's the opposite. Peace is when truth is known. Peace is not the absence of truth. It's when truth is known and the issue is settled. And the, the, tr- the two parties embrace each other. In the Bible, peace is shown as it, it's a positive force. It signifies the presence of all that is good and wonderful. So when two Jews uh, would meet in this time, they would say, Shalom, which, which means peace. Peace, it, it means that I hope you have all the highest good coming your way. Peace. Shalom. May you have no more battles. May only good come your way. Jehovah Shalom. Peace. Peace. So what is a peacemaker? Point number two, what is a peacemaker? I I would have to say it, it may be easier for us to see what a peacemaker is not. A peacemaker is not Someone who keeps peace and sacrifices truth. There is no sacrifice in truth. For example, two people who are at war with each other. A peacemaker will not separate them so that they can't see each other. Hey, don't go over here because this person's over here. No, a peacemaker, in fact, builds bridges. A peacemaker brings them together so that they can resolve the issue, so that they can come together and love, embrace each other to make, make things right. A peacemaker does not avoid issues. A peacemaker that wants peace at whatever the price. They, they, they just don't gloss over the issue. It, he does not or she does not sacrifice truth. A peacemaker conquers problems. Peacemaker, once again, builds bridges. Broken bridges between the two sides. A peacemaker, man, it's a struggle. Sometimes it can be painful. You're going to encounter strife. But in the end, true peace will be met. Romans 12, 12, 18 says, "If, If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. Man, this command truly captures the essence of being a peacemaker. Peace with all men. Not truce with all men. Peace. True peace. A true peacemaker is reconciling men and women. Not ignoring. Reconciling. Listen to what Paul told the Christians in Ephesus. He says, I I therefore a prisoner for the Lord urge you to walk in a manner worthy of calling worthy of the calling to which you have been called, which all humility and gentleness with with patience, bearing with one another in love, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. 
with all these commands and teachings about being peacemakers. Why do we struggle so much with this beatitude? Why is it like a peacemaker? Listen, Christian, why why do Christians in the church, brother and sisters, fight and quarrel and dispute rather than have peace? Why is there strife and conflict and trouble? So the third point, why do we lack peace? Why do we lack peace? The simple reason I could give you is because of a sin. That's a real vague thing, because of sin. But I like how, how James, James answers the question a little bit better. Over in James chapter 4 and in verses 1 through 3, he says, What causes quarrels? And what causes fights among you? Is, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and you do not have, so you murder, you covenant, and you cannot obtain, so you fight, you quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And you ask and you not receive because you are wrongfully to spend it on your passions. Remember what we talked about last week about pure in heart? We said that the heart is wicked. Jeremiah 17, that it is full of wickedness. Above all things, so our desires are, are, are wicked. The passions coming out of our, our heart. So God's explanation for why we don't have peace is that we do not live our lives as peacemakers. We fight, we quarrel, we divide because we're listening to the desires of our heart rather than the desires of God. That's why he said in Jeremiah, the heart is deceitful. It is wicked above all things. It's desperately wicked. So why are we seeking the desires of our heart? When he tells us it is wicked, we need to be seeking the desires of God. So the conflicts are coming from our heart. Think about it. The desires of our heart are causing hatred and malice and arguing and bitterness and divisions and strife. And then we realize how foolish and insignificant they are. We have strife because we say, well, somebody didn't respect us. Maybe we get all pouty and, and bitter. Someone said mean words to me. We're hateful because somebody hurt our feelings. We separate ourselves because someone was unthoughtful. They were uncaring. Are you seeing what causes division? It's called me. It's called selfishness. It's called the I factor. We're thinking all about ourselves. We lose the singleness that we talked about last week about being pure in heart. The focus is all on us and not all on the Father. See, we lose lose everything it's almost like we're falling in in the ploys the trap of of the the devil we're putting our hand in the cookie jar and we can't get our hands back out of the cookie jar 
So we're entrapped by every desire that we are seeing in this life. That's the desires James talking about. I don't like what they said. Now we're going to have a problem. I don't like what they said about me. I'm thinking too much about myself. Instead of a peacemaker, I'm becoming a troublemaker. You see how that translates? I'm a troublemaker. When you think of nothing but yourself, you're not being a peacemaker. You're being a troublemaker. That's why in verse 1 of James, he says that we have passions at war within ourselves. This is why the, the beatitude he said that Jesus gave us right before this is blessed are the pure in heart. We can't be double-minded. It, it requires a singleness. If we're going to fight strifes with others, we are divided. We are double-minded. We are divided within ourselves. Jesus is calling us to, to live a life of purity, of unity, of being peacemakers. Peacemakers. So I didn't, let me, let, let me back up. Let me back up. You have to understand, once again, peacemakers. You have to understand the pure in heart. You have to understand that righteousness, the produce of hunger of righteousness, uh, of foreign spirit, coming to God almost as a, as a beggar receiving his, his mercy and his grace, mourning over sin. The truly meek, the submission to God. The hunger and thirst for righteousness, which leads to being merciful to others because we realize that when we receive mercy, we have to pour out mercy. Well, listen, you cannot be a peacemaker if you have not obtained these other things. Listen, if you have not received the peace of God, which surpasses everything, then you cannot be a peacemaker in this world. Anybody else with me? I'm with you. I am. Peace. We should have peace with God. Point number four. We should have peace with God. Vertical. Here's the vertical he's talking about. Peace with God. Vertical peace. We are called to be peacemakers because God first made peace with us. Listen, God could immediately destroy us because of sin. Listen, He could immediately wipe Adam and Eve. He could have judged them for their wrongdoing. He could have wiped them off the face of the earth. He could have not sent us His Son to die on a cross of redemption. He could have chose not to have reconciliation, but instead He chose peace. To bring peace to the earth through His Son, Jesus. Listen, Colossians 1 says this, For in Him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through Him to reconcile to Himself all things, whatever on earth or in heaven making peace. Listen, right here, don't miss this. Making peace by the blood of the cross. Romans 5.1 says, when we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, it's a vertical peace. Vertical peace. Peace with God. So vertical peace translates to peace with God. 
That means that to have vertical feasts means to accept Him as your Lord and Savior. You realize the, the severity of your sin. That the only way that you can be saved from your sin is through the blood of the Lamb. Is the sacrifice on the cross. It's, it's total confession to the Lord saying, Lord, here I am. I am nothing. Repentance of sin. Confessing that He is Lord of your life. But listen, Christian, even after uh, uh, we're saved, we can get out of alignment. Think about it. Think about even if you went down here, Josh, and you got your brand new car, man. You're driving down the road, and you're going 60 mile an hour. Or even if you're going down to a local uh, college and you run your car up on the, the curb and you bust your tire and your rim, listen, something's out of alignment. When you try to drive that thing back on the road and you're trying to get 60, 70, 80 mile an hour and the thing's going like this right here and like, what's going on? It's trying to prevent you from getting where you're supposed to be because things are out of alignment. Listen, the same thing happens in this Christian life. We get out of alignment. Because that's why he tells us in Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom. Kingdom. That's the alignment of your priorities. Seek ye first the kingdom. Listen, we need to get kingdom-minded. Listen, if you want to write something else over the heading, this is the character of kingdom citizens. This is the heart of kingdom citizens. This is being kingdom-minded. A singleness, a focus of Him. You can't be a, a peacemaker unless you are kingdom-minded. And Christian, it's so easy to get out of alignment. With everything in this world today, it's so easy to lose focus. That's why we need to have a singleness. A singleness. Think about the trouble that results when a Christian gets out of alignment with God. Remember, Abraham tried to escape the famine uh, by going to Egypt. And then there he created so many problems that the ruler asked him to leave in Genesis 12. And see, Lot fell in love with Sodom, right? But the result was a conflict that got out of alignment with him and Abraham. See, David committed adultery. See, with his, his family, the nation was out of alignment. Jonah was out of alignment, was caused a shipwreck. Believer, you can get out of alignment. Focus on the kingdom. Kingdom first. Kingdom first. Listen, Christian life is not, this is what we, we've run into. Me first. Me first. No, 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 kingdom first. I don't care how old you are, how young you are. Not my kingdom, but his kingdom. Not I, but his we must align our lives with God. Not my kingdom, not my life. Father, your kingdom, your will. I used a, a short little illustration about putting your hand in a cookie jar and you can't get it back out. You know, over in other countries, uh, particularly in, in Africa, they, they trap uh, monkeys. They set these little devices out and they put the fruit in the, in the trap and when the, when the monkey puts his hand in there to grab the fruit it's trapped 
As long as he's holding on to the fruit, the monkey cannot get out. He could get free, Miss Bills. He could let go of the, the, the fruit and get right on out. But as long as he grabs hold of the fruit, he's trapped. He's trapped. You say, I, I, I don't get where, where this is going. Listen, anything in your life that you are trying to get a hold on more than the kingdom of God has got you out of alignment with God. In other words, it's, it's a ploy, it's a trap from the enemy, and he's got you chained just where he wants you. And right, right then, you are defeated. Listen, when you're like that, you can't, you can't walk on the, the promises. It's, it's great to start out and claim the promises, but listen, you can't claim the promises unless you're in alignment. It doesn't work. God's throne is a righteous throne. His scepter is a scepter of righteousness. If we're going to reign through life, we must deal with the, the issues, the sins in our life. Grace reigns through righteousness. Jesus is king of righteousness, king of peace. We, this is where we see righteousness and peace kiss each other. Psalms 85.10, right there. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Listen, David was a man after God's own heart. He sought to reign in obedience. Saul's throne was in disobedience. And when Saul come off the throne, Jonathan admitted, my father has made trouble for the country. In 1 Samuel 14, 29, even after Saul's death, there was a long war between Saul's house and David's house. It wasn't until the whole nation crowned David as king of their country, king of their territory, king of their life. Then they had peace. Then they had unity. <laughs> it's not until you crown Jesus king of your life and allow his spirit to fill you to put to death the sin that reigns in your life. Then you can be a peacemaker. Once we were, uh, we, once we crowned Jesus, we received the, the peace. Then we are, can be called children of the king. Children. Listen, God wants us to get in alignment because he loves us. Listen, don't, don't pay attention to the naysayers. Don't pay attention to the, the enemy saying, you're too ugly. You're, you're too stupid. You can't make it. You've made too many mistakes. Remember, as, as Brother Paul spoke on at Joshua on Wednesday night, don't look at the enemy. Don't look at the people. Listen, I am favored, I am blessed, I am redeemed, I am reconciled, I am chosen, I'm a child of the King. Don't listen to the naysayers. Listen, as we've seen in Joshua 1, listen, they come back and, and, and it was been so easy for Joshua to, to listen to the, the eight or ten around him, to keep them from victory. 
Listen, don't listen to the small voices. Have a singleness. Listen to the only voice that matters. It wasn't the giants before them that, that was trying to keep them out of the promised land. It's the naysayers. Quit listening to it. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. God's got a plan for you, a purpose for you. He loves you. Listen, go read Ephesians 2. Man. Just careful when I'm talking. Talking too quick because my mouth's getting dry here. <laughs> mm. You have the righteousness, the grace, the peace of the Father in your life. Number five. Until you receive vertical peace, you can't have horizontal. In other words, what I'm saying is, until you receive the peace from the Father, you can't have peace with everyone else. If you have personally experienced peace with God, then you can share it. Titus 3, Titus chapter 3, verse 3 says, For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedience led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hatred by others and hating one another. But listen, then we come to the cross where Jesus made peace. The cross is where we see perfect peace. This is where he made peace. It's where we found forgiveness of our sin. The war is now over. Because we are no longer at war with God, but we have received the peace of God. We're no longer at war with ourselves. And, and the peace of God that transcends all understanding moves into our hearts, our minds, our, our bodies. We're peace at, with ourselves. And now, now at this point, we're ready to be peacemakers with everyone else. When he is reigning in our life, the peace of God is ruling in our heart. We begin this ministry of peace by making peace with our brothers and sisters. Matthew 5, 21 through 26 tells us that hatred in the heart is equivalent to murder. And it begins with anger. And in verse 23 and 24, it says, let me read it to you. It says, therefore, if I bring you a gift to the altar and remember that your brother has something against you, leave the gift. Leave the gift on the altar and go away. Go away. Reconcile to your brother and then come back. Listen, more important than bringing a gift to the altar is getting it right with a brother and sister. Then I can bring my gift. Listen, before you can bring your worship into the house, you need to be right with the Father. Warfare cannot exist on the altar. You have to, you have to reconcile that. You cannot bring your gift and lay it down. You cannot bring your praise until you reconcile those things.
Matthew 5.25 says, Settle the matter. Settle the matter quickly with your adversary. Listen, remember, this doesn't mean compromise truth. No, matter of fact, it means, it means find an area you agree with with your, your adversary. Start out with some positive things before you discuss the negative. Yes, I agree with you. It's disarming. It's not that you're, you're out to, to win the argument because you'll never agree with your adversary. But if you're out to win a brother or sister, you're going to declare peace, not war. We're, t- we're told in Proverbs that God hates anyone, anyone who sows discord among the brethren. The worst example of this today, I believe, is in the local church where someone tries to stir up trouble, tries to pit one one party against another party. And you say, we shouldn't have parties in the church. You're right, we shouldn't, but we do. I'm not saying it's right. I'm telling you, we do. They try to pit this group against this group, this clique against this clique. Why? Because it goes back to me. Selfishness. Because we don't have a singleness of the Father. We don't want to have a heart of the King. Have a heart of kingdom citizens. I tell you why. We have, we have our hand in too many monkey jars. And distorts the singleness, the focus. In essence, we shouldn't be out to saying right or wrong war. We should be out to be making peacemakers between our brothers and sisters. Listen, I believe the mistake each of us, I said each of us, is making in dealing with other, uh, the, the other is saying, I think you're 100% wrong. And then we go back and we use this uh, uh, Matthew 18, which we should. But saying that you're 100% wrong, Josh, and I have no fault into it, he says in Matthew 7, you hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly the speck out of your brother's eye, right? You have fault. Josh, I may be 85%, you got the rest of it. What is that math? 15? Brain's going dead. But we, it, it takes two. We're, we're both at fault. Before we approach the brother and sister, Matthew 18, we just want to go and, and approach them. Listen, do a self-examination first. Hey, search me, God. Show me my faults. Listen, God wants to remove our log before we go and deal with the speck. This is hard, guys. This is hard. This is hard for all of us to receive. See, if you read Ezekiel, Ezekiel, you'll see that, that when, when he found out about people's sin, he, he's tearing his beard out. I wish me even think about Miss Phyllis. He's tearing his beard out. But if you read Nehemiah, this is the ministry model we follow today. Go back and read Nehemiah. If Nehemiah, if they found out about uh, people's sin problem, they took him out back in the streets and they beat him to death. That's the ministry model we, we follow today. Instead of examining our, ourselves, we're quick to look, hey, look what they did right there. Let's just beat them down. Let's throw stones at them. Reconciliation. 
Where's the love? Where's the grace? Where's the mercy? Like we have no fault. We have to we have to deal with ourselves first. We can only be peacemakers when we are in alignment with God. Listen to Apostle Paul in Romans 12. It said, Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but let it to wrath the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, and I will repay, says the Lord, to the country. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will heap up coals on his head, and do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Listen, hatred never conquers with hatred. Doing the, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again. Listen, you can't keep conquering the same thing with hatred with hatred. You're going to equal hatred. Huh? Quit trying the same thing. Bless them with love. Hatred blinds where love sharpens. Only love can conquer hatred. Love declares war on hatred, if you will. The battle is always a difficult one, but love prevails. Love. Love reveals the same as light reveals in darkness. Love. Love challenges the enemy to be a better person. Love. When I think about making vertical and horizontal peace, I think about the Lord Jesus. As we seek to be peacemakers, people will treat us as, as they did Jesus. As I told you, he rode in on, on a donkey to the, the city of peace, and here is the prince of peace, the king of peace, and his people did not recognize, they didn't embrace him. Matter of fact, the leaders, as he was riding in, the prince of peace, matter of fact, they were plotting in that very time to kill him. Listen, they are going to treat us the same I'm not telling you that this is going to be easy. No, they're going to accuse us, condemn us, and eventually one day they will crucify. Warren Wiersbe, I love this quote from Warren Wiersbe. He says this, he says, Hatred blinds where love sharpens. Hatred looks for a victim where love sees a victory. The person of war throws stones, but the peacemaker builds a bridge out of the stones. The person of war comes with a sword, and the peacemaker disarms him or her with love and beats the sword into a, a, a plow. The person of war throws a spear, and the peacemaker beats it into a pruning hook. The peacemaker does not avoid the battle. Instead, they transform the battle into a ministry of reconciliation. Peacemaker. The result of being a peacemaker. I know, the long message this morning. Last point. I'm coming, I'm coming. Last point. Last point. The result of being a peacemaker. Jesus says that there will be, that we will be called sons of God. For Christian men and women to be called sons of God means that we have been adopted into his family. We are taking on the character of God because God's character is one of reconciliation. 
So God ended hostility between him and us, ourselves, between uh, Jews and Gentiles through Christ, through the cross. Listen, Jesus didn't come to make things worse. Jesus came to bring peace. A peacemaker shows that you are in the kingdom of Christ. You're in the kingdom of Christ. A peacemaker involves so much more than just the the absence of war. It means working for God's vision in the world. It means having a clear biblical form vision of the future God that he has promised, allowing his vision to direct all nations, everything of your life. It's not just the kingdom come, it's the kingdom now. It means that pursuing justice, a wholeness, and harmony in our relationships, seeking reconciliation and restoration when others have wronged us. Listen, they've wronged you. Let them have the other cheek. It means turning the other cheek, choosing to be wronged instead of being the source of separation. Too many times they've wronged us, and then we just want to put the the wrong, the enmity between them, the division. No. It means doing the, uh, the hard word of reconciling enemies without uh, violence. Man, we do so much of, of Nehemiah. We want to go right to the, the violence, beat them down. No love. It means getting involved politically, socially, promoting whatever peace can be achieved. Working for human flourishing. We want mankind to flourish. We want his his gospel to go. We want men and women to be reconciled back to God. It means sacrificially pursuing the good of others above our own expense. And John the Baptist said this, he must increase and I must decrease. We need to be modeling that. As he increases our life, we'll put the needs of others before our own. We decrease, he increases. We find ourselves in a a conflict of disarming and fear and confusion. Our job as kingdom people is to bear witness of the Prince of Peace. Jehovah Nisi, he is my banner, the banner of peace, the banner of love. Jehovah Shalom, he is peace. That's our job. It's to show that we are living in Christ. And we'll go back up. I'm going to give you an awesome illustration. John Piper uses an illustration. He says that each beatitude is like a nail that is driven in a coffin. The results, there's a corpse of false understanding of salvation. The false understanding says that a person can be saved without change. There has to be transformation. There has to be transformation. You say, how's that fitting at your ending? There, There has to be some transformation. You have to have, that's what the Beatitudes are telling you. You have to have a new heart. You can't do this on your own. It has to be given to you. You have to be filled with the Spirit, and He does this. 
It's not something that you're going to come down and pray some single prayer, which is good. I'm not talking bad about it, but you can't pray this single prayer and then go back and put your hands and feet in all these cookie jars and say that, hey, I am saved. No, the very essence of a beatitude is saying the exact opposite. Matter of fact, you're a dead, rotten corpse in a coffin. It can't happen. You have to have a life of transformation. And as, as kingdom builders, we must be transformed and show the world the difference. Hey, Alex, I don't even know where I'm at. Kingdom. Kingdom, kingdom, kingdom. Church, we need to be kingdom focused. Kingdom focused. If anything, the mission of the church, that should be it. Hey, on the outside of the church, just put this, kingdom focused. Kingdom focused. Kingdom citizens now. It's living to be kingdom citizens now. It's looking forward to a day of perfect peace. We are called to be peacemakers because we are children of God. We are children of the King, the Prince of Peace. Children do what the Father does. Listen, my prayer is that God helps you and highlights in your week, in your day, to be peacemakers, to be kingdom citizens. Help us understand this week what it means to be a, a, a peacemaker. This week, this year, and years to come. I want to close with an illustration. A number of years ago, a man was working high on a scaffold. He fell to the ground and was he was hurt very badly, severely injured. A doctor rushed to him, and after exam examining him, he said, Young man, I'm not going to lie to you. You are severely hurt. You better make peace with God. Young man looked back to the doctor. He, so, he said, sir, my peace was made 2,000 years ago when Jesus died on a holy on the cross. My question to you today do you have the confidence that this young man who is lying on his deathbed? I, I know that I know that I know that, that I have been peace with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Do you have that confidence? If not, man, it's easy. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. Receive. Confess, cry out to him, Jesus, I believe that you have died for me, and I proclaim this day forward for you to be Lord of my life in every aspect. And Christian, our prayer today should be, God, show us what cookie jars we need to get out of. Amen? Hey, let's pray. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for our mothers. But, Father, most of all, we thank you for reconciliation. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who come and paid a debt that we couldn't pay. Father, to, to 
build a bridge back to where we can have perfect fellowship, perfect peace, perfect communion. Father, that we can be favored, we can be chosen, blessed, we can be all these things through your Son. And Father, may you cover us in the blood of Jesus from protection of the enemy, the ploys. And Father, just help us have a singleness with you. A single eye that where we are focused on your word, we can meditate. Father, that we would rest in your word and your spirit would rest on us. And Father, wherever, whoever's streaming in, wherever we're at today, Father, may this be their altar and they cry out to you if they do not know you. And Father, may you reign in our lives there. Father, search us and show us. Lead God and direct us and help us. In Jesus' name, amen.